Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. My name is Ken Hume. I'm your host and my background is in real estate. I own an estate agency called James Alexander in southwest London and we sell and rent properties regularly. How are you this week? I hope you're well. A couple of big shows coming up for you as well. We have a financial advisor coming up next week to talk about mortgages and what's going on in the mortgage market. And we also have the week after the one and only Paul Champlina from Nightmare Tenant Slum Landlords. And he's going to be coming on the show talking about the Section 21, the removal of Section 21, the impact on the market, what's going on in the courts and landlord and tenant law in general. So we're really looking forward to having Paul on. It's great for him to spend some time with us. He is the most 15th, most influential person in property, according to the Telegraph. So thanks to him. And we look forward to that. That's coming up in a couple of weeks time. I've got a story for you today as well. I'm going to come on to that a story of John and Ivanka who bought a penthouse flat. Uh, true story from some years ago. The names are not the real names uh, for reasons which will become obvious later on. Uh, but the story is 100 percent true and um, I hope you enjoy it. But before we get on to that, let's get through the property news. First of all, the article from the Daily Mail today, the number of homes selling for asking price or above is increasing. Almost four in 10 properties are selling for above the asking price. The percentage has been rising since the housing market reopened last year in May in England in, and in June in Wales. And it's now reached a record high. In January this year, 37% of homes sold in England and Wales achieved their final asking price or above, according to Rightmove. The latest figure is an increase of 28% from January 2020 and significantly higher than the long-term average 23% between 2005 and 2021. The region with the greatest number of asking price or more sales was Yorkshire and the Humber at 45%. And London saw the smallest proportion of homes reach at least the asking price. But even in the capital, the figure was 30%. Among the properties that reached asking price in England and Wales in January, 18% sold for more than the listed price. The long-term average between 2005 and 2021 is 10%. So that's interesting. And it's a trend that we expect to continue. And there is a reason for it as well. Many good estate agents now adopt what I call a zero pricing strategy. And it may be that you've noticed this in the way that they advertise their properties. And that is by asking for offers over an amount. So, for instance, if you had a house that you felt was worth around 410 to 420,000, given that you can't search up to 410 or 420 on Rightmove, the way to capture the audience would be to put it as offers over 400,000, as opposed to asking price 400,000. And the reason you would do that would be so that you would attract a wider audience and anyone looking up to 400,000, it would attract their attention. And I know many of you, I, I can already hear you screaming at the, <laughs> your podcast provider. Why do you do that? Why would you put something up when it's not in my range if it's 10 or 20,000 higher? Well, here's the truth, folks. Most people buy 5% to 10% over the initial price they register at. And that's why when some people say, oh, why is the estate agent sending me stuff that I can't afford? It's likely that you will spend more than you initially expect. Not universally, and I think as agents, it's our duty to listen to people if they say, I definitely can't afford more. But we do tend to find that through the bank of mum and dad or through ingenious financing, people will find extra money for the one they really love. And it tends to go like this. You look around for a property at, let's say, 400,000 for a while, get bored of what you're looking at. And then all of a sudden, somebody shows you one at 440 or 430, and it's much, much better than the other ones you've seen. 
Well, if you think about it, it's logical, isn't it? Because it's more money and never underestimate the importance of money and property. So then you've got a dilemma because you've now fallen in love with the property. Property prices are never just about money. They're also about the emotion that is created and therefore the want and desire of the buyer. And therefore, it's likely that you'll go the extra mile for that property. So that's one of the reasons why we're seeing more properties selling over the asking price because of the zero pricing strategy. So what it means is that it's better for an agent to quote a round figure. So in the old days, some agents would quote figures such as 499950, 499,950, because it wouldn't be 500 and therefore would appear to be much more attractive. Conversely, now, by quoting 500,000, you would appear on page one of that search on Rightmove or Zoopla, depending, of course, which way around you search for properties, high to low or low to high. But the point is you wouldn't be somewhere in the middle and therefore you're more likely to attract attention. And I think that's one of the reasons why properties are selling above the asking price. Of course, the other reason is the stamp duty deadline. And as I broadcast, we're now six days away from that. How's it been? I hear you ask. Well, it's been stressful. And many people, many solicitors are finding it incredibly difficult to deal with the volumes. Uh, some of them are only taking messages by email and some are not even replying to that. Come to that. Some have been very, very good and very patient with their buyers and sellers. Some have been awful, shocking and actually have cost their buyers and sellers the property. And in many instances, what I see happening next. And as I broadcast, we're just about to come to the end of this deadline. Obviously, the 1st of July will be it will be gone. There'll be no more £15,000 saving. There will be another saving up to 2500 if you buy before the end of September 2021. But of course, there is an argument. There are two arguments. First of all, if the reason that you're moving is £15,000, it's probably the wrong reason. And if you're moving because of the saving of £2,500 maximum that can be saved up to September, it's definitely the wrong reason. And I would agree with that. You know, I think property is such a big decision, especially if you're buying as a family home it should be for the right reasons, not for the reasons driven by the fact that you can save a couple of K because realistically that couple of thousand could easily be argued that that's inflated anyway because of the incentive that's there, if not more. So interesting times, but we'll be reporting to you right here from the coal face in the estate agency and letting you know how people are reacting, what's happened since the deadline passes. Uh, and I think it's one of those times, one of those moments in time where you can honestly say, we'll all look back in 10 years time and say, do you remember when we had that deadline and what happened afterwards? Dot, dot, dot. And that's the big question. We don't know what happened afterwards yet, but I'm absolutely fascinated by this kind of thing. And you can be sure that we'll be reporting on it as it happens and what the emotions are, what's going on with people, how people feel. Are they still buying? Are they still listing their property for sale? Has it taken confidence away? Is confidence still there? There are questions we'll be answering over time right here on the podcast. Uh, an article this week also from the London Evening Standard now. London home price changes since EU referendum. A report on changes to London property prices since the Brexit vote five years ago shows that the average value is now 491,687, representing an increase of 5%. It's also noted that unlike after the financial crash, crash of the London property market, it has at least avoided, avoided a major slump and is still only a fraction below all-time highs. While five years since Brexit have been unexciting for London property in historic terms, neither have they been a disaster. And one now from the Telegraph and the Mail, and this is about Japanese knotweed. If you don't know what Japanese knotweed is, then as a home owner or potential buyer, you should look it up because it is the scourge of property. It's a nightmare. It was actually brought over from Japan as an ornamental plant 
and it spreads virally. And when it spreads, the problem with it is that it can eat into your foundations of your house. It's very, very difficult to get rid of. Even if you burn it and you leave the slightest bit of green, it can regrow. It needs specialist treatment over a number of years and can render your property unmortgageable. So really, really significant thing, Japanese knotweed. And there's new guidance on dealing with Japanese knotweed. It's been issued by the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors. And they're now seeking to establish a management framework outlining how sales of affected homes can proceed. The plant's presence can wipe out between 10 and 15% of the property's value, and in some cases, cause sales to fall through. Philip Santo, author of the new guidance, stated, creating confidence and awareness that not weird isn't a death sentence for home sales is a key principle behind the guidance. He went on, in most instances, the weed can be remediated with effective treatment. So it's critical that all those involved in the home buying and selling process have access to unbiased factual information. Yeah, I would echo that for sure. You know, you can get treatment plans. They do go over several years, but they come with long term 25 year guarantees, which are insurance backed. Um, so make sure you get it treated properly. And it doesn't have to be the disaster that some make it out to be. By the same token, it is a scourge of London property. And there's a lot of it around, certainly right here in southwest London. An article now from the City AM newspaper. Hong Kong residents are increasingly seeking to buy or rent properties in Canary Wharf, Kensington, Covent's Garden and Mayfair. Sales from Hong Kong buyers have risen by 20% over the last 18 months, whilst demand for rental is expected to heat increase ahead of the September time when students head for London's universities. Guy Gittins, the CEO of Chesterton's, commented, whilst the number of foreign investors in London fell dramatically during the height of the pandemic, the new visa regulations, imminent easing and travel restrictions has revived the London city's appeal as an investment and lifestyle hotspot. I would echo that. We've said for a while now that London is coming back, you know, um, a lot. Prime London's coming back as well. That's something that's just started to happen is that Prime London has really started to jump again. And that's interesting because the wave this time in terms of property, we talk about wave sometimes, don't we? Which the idea being or the theory being that central London would go up and then that would go up a higher percentage than the rest of the UK and the rest of us would feel the ripples. Well, interestingly, this time around, it's been entirely and the polar opposite in that the jump in prices has certainly been meteoric in the out of London areas, specifically the coastal and beautiful areas, the rural areas, the Zoom commute areas um, have gone off the scale and places like Cornwall and Devon have been massive recipients of huge, huge rises in property values, whereas London has been the poor relation. So as London opens up and central London starts to gain in value, so we hope that us here in the suburbs will pick up on some of that wave. You know, I've always said, I don't want price rate, prices to rise through the roof. It's not healthy. It's not necessary. And inevitably, at some point, can lead to it. You know, if you have a boom, it has to end in a bust at some point. So I just like it to calm down and stay static, as I've said for many times, giving us around a 5% growth per year would be absolutely plenty. Chris Nicholson, the house builders reported profits before tax of 2021 up from up 36.3 million, up from a loss of 51.2 in the previous year. Companies said that sales rates and prices were back at pre-pandemic levels as changing work patterns and lifestyle choices continue to fuel strong demand. At least on article now from City AM. Homeowners could still sue for damages among leasehold reforms. Now, this is something that I've said for a while and absolutely disgusts me, and that is that leaseholders, houses were made leasehold by the big builders. Persimmon Homes were one of those builders, and what they would do is sell a house to an unsuspecting first-time buyer with a ground rent, and that ground rent would double every 10 years. And this made them unmortgageable 
And now they're winding that back as they realize that they've been discovered. They've been caught out. And there's an article in City AM which says legal experts say that even though person in the homes and Aviva have agreed to change the way they operate in regard to leaseholds and ground rent charges, homeowners could still be entitled to compensation. And I'm glad of that because I think these people have been treated vastly unfairly. It should never have been allowed. And not only that, their solicitors should have recommended that they don't proceed with the purchase given that circumstance. But quite often those solicitors were recommended by, guess what, the builders themselves. And that's where it all gets a little bit shady for me. So that's that. Um, now on to the extension right to rent check measures. Now, the right to rent is a check that you have to do. If you're a landlord or you're thinking of being a landlord, you need to make sure that your tenants have a right to rent in the UK. And the way those are happening is in a different way now. Um, right to rent checks have been allowed to be carried out via video during COVID, and it was due to end on June 21, but has now been extended until September. But on top of that, as of July, there'll now be a new method of checking someone's right to rent. You have to go onto the government website and Google right to rent, and then you'll be taken to a link. You need to send that link to your tenants, and they need to then apply for a certificate confirming their right to reside in the UK. And then you get an access code, which is available to you for 30 days so that you may check and download their right to rent in the UK. So apart from that, we have Lloyds and Halifax branch closures announced. Hardly surprising. We've got inflation rise will be transitory, says the bank. That's from BBC News. And the MPC voted unanimously to keep interest rates on a historic low hold of 0.1%, despite inflation hitting a record high of 2.1%. That's a record high for the last two years. The MPC said it expected inflation to go above 3% for a temporary period. Well, it's good that it said that because what that means is that given it thinks the period is temporary, it's unlikely to raise interest rates in the short term. This is not financial advice, I hasten to add, um, but it's certainly good news that right, rates have stayed the same at their historic low levels. Um, in the mail, they talk about the hidden house raffle dangers, and this is uh, reports on a house raffle by a property firm called Omaze, noting that two prize properties have already been sold on by their new owners, as the homes often come with a number of issues that competition winners have been unaware of. Interesting way of selling your house, though, isn't it, in a raffle? Now, I want to come on to the story of John and Ivanka. Um, this is something that I promised you. Basically, years ago, I won't give you the location, the area or the builders, but I can tell you the story. Uh, basically, there's a builder who built a very large site which had coastal views in a penthouse flat and a number of other flats. And with those other flats, there were many people that were interested in those flats. And at the time, the average price was around 250000 There was a beautiful penthouse on the top floor. That penthouse flat was valued at the time at 350000 When the developer found the price of the flat at 350000 he decided to put the price of that flat at 600000 The reason? Because he wanted to live in it while the site was developed around him. And he knew that no one would pay the 600000 I say new, let's put that in inverted commas and just park that for a moment. Because what actually happened was the phone rang, we got a buyer, and that buyer said, this looks absolutely perfect for me. Can I fly in by helicopter? And is there anywhere I can put it so I can have a look at this penthouse? And sure enough, he arrived the next day by helicopter on the largest piece of green space nearby. And he was in his 70s and 
his girlfriend, Ivanka, soon to be wife, was in her 30s and beautiful. And when he landed, he then walked over to the site, said, this is absolutely perfect for me. I don't care about the price. I just want you to knock down some walls, make it my shape and everything else. And when an eyebrow was raised about the situation with his very young girlfriend, he actually said, I know what you're thinking. And it's exactly what you're thinking. I know what I'm doing here. I know that this young lady looks wrong on my arm, but let me tell you the story. And he went on to tell a story about the fact that his wife cheated on him. His children tried to steal his money without his knowledge. And so he doesn't like his family. And he thought, what better reward can I give than to marry a young hottie and give her my inheritance? <laughs> and he did exactly that. Went on to buy the flat, lived there, sadly passed. And Ivanka now has herself a beautiful penthouse flat with 360 degree views, panoramic, panoramic views of the sea as well. Uh, yeah, so that's the story, Johnny Vega. I just thought it was an interesting little anecdote there. Um, apart from that, the other thing that happened was we had a gentleman come in and said, that I can't buy anything in the area that I want to be in, and I've got cash. And this was someone that had sold to us, so we wanted to help. And they said that whenever they looked in the area they were looking, they just, as soon as they went to apply for a viewing on a property, it was already sold. And they found this most frustrating. So I said, look, I promise you, they say sold, but what they mean is sold subject to contract. We can secure a house in that area, I'm sure, but you may have to pay a bit, little bit more than the price that is quoted. Are you prepared for that? So anyway, he said yes. So with that, we waited for the next one to be listed. Sure enough, a long game. And as soon as we applied for a viewing, the client's weren't allowed to view and the agent said it's sold already. So with that, I ended up walking into the agent with the client um, and his bank statement. And the price of this particular property was actually a million pounds. And we walked in and we said, look, we'd like to make an offer on this property um, and we can prove the cash and we'd like to offer 1.1 million. Well, of course, the agents had to, were obliged by law to put our offer forward to their client and it was secured and the other buyer was dropped and now he's happily buying that property. So it just goes to show when agents tell you that something's gone, you can still make offers. Remember, under the Estate Agents Act, agents are legally obliged to put your offer forward to their client. So if you like a property that much and you offer over the asking price, then you could secure it. If it's sufficiently over the asking price, then you might well find that you get yourself what you want. It doesn't always work. You know, some vendors will say, well, you know, I'm quite comfortable with the price I've got, I'm quite happy with the price I've got, and I'd like to stick with this buyer and honour my commitment or, or promise to them, which is all very honourable and respectful. But the problem is, at what point does that change for people? And what I mean by that is, let's say you offered £1,000 more. Nope, I'm sticking to my guns. Or if it was 10000 that could be a holiday for you and your family, could be significant for school fees for your children. Uh, what if it was 20,000, 30,000, 100,000, as in this case? So, you know, there's always a point where people have to take you seriously. Only they can decide where that is, but most people will eventually buckle if the offer is significantly above what they have. Some won't, and I think that's very honourable and respectful, uh, but most people, for most people, there's a limit where they're like, well, hang on a minute, this is now significant. Sometimes they will go back to their existing buyer and offer them the opportunity of buying it at that price first, and I think that's the right thing to do. Um, and as an agent, it puts you in a very difficult position because, of course, you know, you promised inverted commas, although everything is subject to contract and both buyer and seller can pull out, you had agreed on paper a sale to this particular buyer. And it's always sad when you have to you know, turn around and say, look, we've 
our buyer, our client's got a higher offer. Would you like to match it? And more often than not, the answer is no. Sometimes it's yes. And then the new buyer comes on board. But of course, there are many more considerations as well. It's not just about whether the offer's higher. It's about whether the person can perform with that offer, whether they have sufficient deposit, depending on the condition of the property, whether the agent and the seller are confident that that buyer is really going to go through with it because you can find yourself in a situation where you're jumping out of the frying pan and into the fire with a buyer who might not be as good a buyer and you might have just dropped your best opportunity for maybe five or 10,000, which may not be wise. So you need to be careful, but it just goes to show properties that aren't available can be available. And I just wanted to share that with you so that you know when something's gone it's most of the time it's not gone, gone. It's sold subject to contract because unless you're dealing with auctions where the hammer goes down and contracts are legally exchanged, most sales are still taking 12 to 16 weeks to go through from the point when they're agreed. And that's quite a long leading time, isn't it? And lots can happen in that time. So there's always opportunity and it's well worth pursuing if you really are that keen on a property. Um, if you feel that it's morally wrong to do that, then I respect that and understand it. But it's certainly a way you can secure yourself something in a difficult market and let's face it we're in a tough market right now if you're looking to secure something how do we see it panning out over the next few weeks well the first thing i think is that the week after next when the uh when we get into july there are going to be lots of acrimonious splits between buyers and sellers and what i mean by that is people are going to be saying look um it's your fault that we didn't make the deadline i've lost fifteen thousand pounds and therefore if you're a buyer for instance you might say i want fifteen thousand pounds off the asking price it's also fair to say that if you agreed that sale three months ago, and you probably did, that the value of that property has exceeded £15,000 in growth in that time, in capital growth. So I see a lot of situations where buyers will ask for a discount, sellers will not be prepared to give that discount, and then properties will come back to market. I also see the reverse happening where sellers are frustrated by the fact that they feel that buyers have let them down and cost them the 15000 discount on the house they're buying and therefore pull out on them and relist perhaps at a higher figure, certainly at the same figure. So um, interesting times. We will report to you more on that as it happens, because it is a fairly unique set of circumstances, isn't it? And don't forget, in the next couple of weeks, we've got some interesting ones. We've got Adam Messer coming up, financial advisor, to talk to us about the mortgage market and what's happening there. And of course, Paul Champlina, the famous man himself from Nightmare Tenants, Slum Landlords, and of course, from Landlord Action will be with us. And we're really looking forward to speaking to him about his view on property letting and the law. So that's it for this week. Hope you've enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week with another edition. Until then, look after your family and friends. Stay safe and well. Have a fantastic week.